We are very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we got Jesse Ledoux with our product special of the week. So Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Hey, Stephen, a lot of our listeners are already taking advantage of this, but in the off chance that they've been living under rocks, which no judgment to those that live under rocks, but we have this amazing free daily newsletter that gives you the skinny on everything going on in the world. Okay, so tell us, um, like, it's daily, so and it's a newsletter, so I'm assuming they get it via their email? Yes, it's all email-based, and it comes every morning, Monday to Friday. And in that newsletter, it includes things like pageant news, so things going on in the industry, current events, so for those contestants that either want to be educated on what's going on around them, which should be everyone, and those contestants that actually will have to answer those questions for interview, that's hugely helpful. It includes the question of the day, what we liked about the answers we received will feature a top answer um, and often a product of the day too. So you have all of those features in one place that hits you in your email inbox first thing in the morning. Why is this even important? Why is this type of thing even important? Well, first of all, um, I can say a lot of reasons why it's important, but the first thing is you just need to be educated on what's going on around you. If you're just focusing your pageant prep on you and you alone, you're doing yourself a disservice because the more you can tie in things happening where other people might be aware of into your interview, your conversations, you'll connect with them more. Because if you're just selling yourself, you're missing opportunities to create that relationship with the judges. The other important thing is you could spend hours researching all of this on your own. And here we've consolidated it into one small place. And it just is something you don't need to think about it. It just arrives. And all you have to do is spend five minutes reading it and you're done. I kind of like that. I mean, for me, I attempt to automate my life as much as possible, leveraging software, leveraging other people's services, other people's efforts. So I see this as kind of a way to automate your pageant training. Because if you see something like, oh, wow, I didn't know that was going on. um, I think we maybe supply links to it too, of like additional resources. Is that correct? That is correct. And like, especially if we have like a product that we're featuring too, we often will get like a discount code that we can pass on to you. Or if we have sales, you're the first to know about it. So we can link directly. That's the benefit of being a digital newsletter is we can often direct you exactly where you need to go very quickly. Okay. Um, is first, is there a cost associated with it? Um, when is it delivered and how do they sign up? So it's totes free. Totes so it's free. <laughs> um, and you can sign up by visiting pageantplanet.com, going to articles, and the top article will always be Pageant Daily. Click on it, and right then and there, you can type in your name, your email address, et cetera, and it pops in your email inbox first thing in the morning. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse, Ledoux, and myself, we are going to be discussing the five strategies to dealing with pageant haters. So, Jesse, set the stage. Well, Stephen, I hope you have tea this morning because we are going to spill all the tea <laughs> um, with this conversation that was really corny. Anyway, um, I, have so tea, we- I, I have coffee and water, so I am like super hydrated and ready to go. Excellent. Okay. So there's no secret, Stephen, that there's like a stereotype amongst the general population about pageants and whether it's that pageants are shallow, they're catty, they're self-serving, materialistic. I mean, I could go on and on with those adjectives that we've heard, right? But it's a tough pill to swallow for those of us that have been invested in the industry and the hobby. And we 
know all of the benefits that it provides because they are endless. Yeah, I mean, completely from like job interview skills to the ability to speak out in public to the ability to raise funds, raise awareness, awareness, represent companies as like a spokesmodel. There really is like tremendous ripple effect. Yeah, and I've been in the industry now for 17 years, which sounds crazy, and I've been retired for six, and I call my mom every morning on the way to work. I'm lucky enough to have my mom with me still, and we were discussing just this week how pageantry has set me up for success. I was in a, in a business meeting where I was the lowest man on the totem pole, and I have like the least physical experience in the topic we were discussing, but I never feel uncomfortable speaking up, and yet people above me always seem hesitant, and it's one of those things where I know I contribute that to my my confidence and my ability to communicate my message and my confidence in my message itself. So Steven, I know that you are married to a former pageant contestant. Do you see how those skills translate to Renata's professional life as well? Yeah, completely. Because it puts you, pageantry puts you in a lot of different um, situations. So you naturally, whenever you start off inside of your journey of pageantry, you're uncomfortable, right? Because you're dealing with a lot of different personalities. Sometimes you might be on a farm one day, in the senator's office the next day, mm-hmm. at a game the next day, and you just learn how to connect with people. And that's the common denominator in every experience you'll have is there going to be people around, right? So as long mm-hmm. as you can learn how to connect with people, carry on conversations, despite everybody's various backgrounds, you will feel comfortable in situations where other people are uncomfortable. And I've what I've seen most in Renata is her ability to ask for what it is that she wants, clearly. Mm-hmm. And my wife is, like in a public setting, is still kind of introverted. Um, I'm naturally introverted, but in a public um, setting, I am an expert extrovert. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I'm just there, and but it takes a lot of energy out of me. Um, so I have to recharge by being alone, by reading books, things like that. Now, my wife is the reverse. Um, so like in a traditional pageantry setting, she doesn't like work the room and network. That's just not who she is as a being. But around mm-hmm. her family is when she really comes to life or people that she knows. I mean, she's like life at the party and all that. However, in a business setting, she's like, nope, this is my price. And just <laughs> like deal with it, right? I mean, she just knows how to ask for what it is that she wants. And as a result, she gets it. And I want to talk before we dive into these like five like five strategies about pageant haters. Let's talk about why people hate pageants for a minute. And like for me and Steven, we'll get your perspective too. It's like people fear the unknown and they feel like it's objectifying or women are accepting being judged by appearance only. And I do think there was a time that that was true in society. And like, I always giggle when I see those fifties newspaper ads that like are super degrading towards women. We are just not there anymore. And especially in the pageant industry, like, 20 years have changed dramatically in our culture of where women stand and how people, um, how men or women look at, look at women. And I think that the pageants have pageants for the most part have mirrored that change. Um, and I think it's just the stereotype behind the origin of pageants that really gets to people. And Steven, like, is that what you've seen? Do you have other thoughts of maybe why people don't like pageants? You know, I feel like when someone criticizes someone else, um, it's kind of the schoolyard bully mentality. Mm-hmm. Like they don't like you because they cannot be you 
or there's something in you that makes them feel insecure about themselves. And of course, this is a broad stroke scenario, right? Because we're not singling out an individual circumstance or situation. So, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of reasons, but it's broad strokes. I feel like that if someone criticized someone for being successful or like wealthy or what they appear extravagant, it's because like internally they want that, whether or not they admit it to themselves. And there's a hint of jealousy. So by critiquing them and saying, oh, I would never spend that on a car or I'd never spend that on an outfit. They're almost like justifying their lack of mm-hmm. and, and whatever the lack of is. And so when they see a girl who, let's say, walks across stage, we have Miss Universe coming up. So let's say they see the girl walk across stage in Miss Universe and her swimsuit body, it looks amazing. Oh, this is like like degrading of women, right? Meanwhile, they're on the couch eating potato chips. I'm not saying that that's true, but I'm saying like th- they might even say like internally, they something in them feels insecure by seeing another woman in a swimsuit, right? That the cameras on them and the lights and the glitz and all that. And that insecurity causes them to criticize rather than just saying, hey, maybe I could do that. Or like, why am I really criticizing someone? Because I even know that within myself, I do the same thing. And I just ask the scary questions like, why am I hating so hard on this individual? Mm. And traditionally, it is something that's within me that I either don't like and I'm projecting it on that person and so I criticize them for that Um, or I feel like they're doing something in life that I don't feel like I have that capabilities to do or I'm not doing it right now and it's like I want it right now yeah and I I love the phrase like you you've never met a hater doing better than you like yeah. a CEO that looks at their manager level staff and like hates on them. Right. Like, or the, or there is like an insecurity if that's the case, but usually people that are successful or are pleased with where their life is, they're not spending time criticizing someone else because they're different or because they have something or because they're going after something else. Right. Because they're so focused on their own goals and what they're doing in their life. They don't have the, really the energy for that. And, you know, we see that in our industry a lot of times, like directors hating on other directors, coaches hating on other coaches. And it's just like, just focus on your own path. Like, who cares that that other person is a hot mess? They're a hot mess because they're a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And really, and they have their own support network and those people have their own family and friends are all. So not everyone thinks that they're a hot mess. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, they might think they're a hot yeah, mess. maybe. <laughs> so, I mean, haters come in all forms. And uh, there is a saying that's like the higher you climb the ladder of success, the more your butt is exposed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that with and it was Mahatma Gandhi said, first, people ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they um, fight you. Then they, then you win. So it's kind of the evolution of your your career path. So I see pageantry as as very much the same thing. Like, and really, your haters always um, your haters are in proportionate to your your cheerleaders. So I mean, you look at somebody like Justin Bieber; he's got a lot of people that love him, right? Like, oh my gosh, like fans, and then he has equal amounts of people that do not like him for whatever the reason in the same way that the Kardashians. And so it's just like, I see that in all walks of life, pageantry included. 
And yeah, absolutely. And because of this, like, there are those stereotypes, there are those feelings and contestants and winners are faced with haters, doubters who resort to that mentality and that stereotype. And today, like we want to break down, like, how do we navigate these if we're ever faced with them face to face? Yep. Okay. Face to face. Yep. A lot of facing happening. <laughs> A lot of Okay, so we've got five strategies to deal with pageant, pageant haters, and go ahead and give us the the first one. I know you took this to Instagram, right? Yeah, we took it to Instagram. So with each of these five, we're going to be able to introduce some thoughts from our Instagram audience, which I love doing. So the first step is you need to listen to them. And this comes from Elena McKenzie, Elena.McKenzie on Instagram. She says, I listen to them at first and see why they disagree and then tell them my experience and my story with pageants. Everybody has their own views and opinions. Sometimes I agree, but also make sure they have true info too. And to me, even if they truly hate on me, I know what pageants have done for me and why I love them. I will never deny someone's opinion though. I will never be rude about it. And most importantly, I don't take hate to heart and let it control me. Super wise words. Very wise. Okay, break this down for us. Why is this important? Yeah, I think, well, we all do this and we all make assumptions about everything before they have a chance to even manifest themselves. I shouldn't say everybody, but the vast majority of people, we jump to conclusions. It's a common thing. I've done this several times already in this podcast, talking about why people hate pageants and you, like we've all done it. And like before you jump into defense mode or debate mode, like our friend Elena said, Ask them questions about what they don't like about pageant first, pageants first. And the phrase that I love, Steve, I don't know if you like this phrase too, it's listen to understand and not to respond. Mm, that is good. And how, how do you do that? How do you listen to understand and not listen to respond? Well, in, in real life, I, I speak most often like I do in pageants normally, but when I'm having a thoughtful debate, and this can be about pageants, it can be about politics, whatever it is, I do find myself that I used to really think about, okay, what am I going to say next versus hearing the person? And if that's the case, they finish talking and I have no idea what the last thing they said was, but I know the first thing I'm going to say, but that last thing could have been really valuable. So if you find yourself where you're constantly already thinking about what you want to say, Instead of jumping right into your response, let them finish talking and say, and then tell them, okay, I want to process what I just heard, or I want to repeat back what I just heard so I understood it clearly. And then you take what you've heard because now you've processed it twice and you've given yourself a chance to think about it because no one's going to say, well, what do you have to say? I mean, let's get on with it. I mean, (laughs) say, okay, I've said what I have to say and like be respectful on their thoughts. Let it process, let it marinate, and then give a thoughtful answer. Yeah. And from my perspective, too, I really attempt not to give my opinion unless someone genuinely asks for it, especially when you're talking about politics or um, pageantry or whatever. So what I like to do is defer to tell me more about. And so I really so I took a a six week course on like how to communicate. Um, And it was listening to the energy behind people's words and like or like listening to the last thing that they said and then the whole premise of the class was to teach you how to say tell me more about why you don't like pageants or tell me more about you know that girl in the third grade that ticked you off and that continues to open people up so you get more of the depth behind it and then you can have a meaningful conversation because um as you've said 
before or we've talked about before like people don't people won't hear like what you say until they feel like you heard what they say mm-hmm. yeah so totally. um I, I think with that too we can jump like if someone says i hate pageants okay well if if you, the last person you talked to didn't like pageants because of swimsuit and you jump to well it's not about objectifying women but that might not be their concern at all. It might be that like you are trying to get a message across while you're wearing a crown instead of just doing it. So those are just some examples of real things I've heard. Um, and we'll address all of those as we go. But like every single person may have a different reason and you need to pivot your message based on that reason. So by listening first, it allows you to address the different areas of concern they have instead of just having this blanket message for all haters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually dated a girl that, I mean, I don't know if we officially dated, but we hung out for, I mean, just loved her to pieces, but we hung out for about a year and a half. And, um, she was like, she firmly believed that pageants objectified women. She was just like, I don't like pageants. And my response was like, okay, like there, (laughs) there's no conversation. Like, okay. Like didn't have any bearing on me. Right. She was just saying her opinion. And I was just like, Okay, got it. What do you want for breakfast? <laughs> or what do you want for lunch or whatever? Um, and that was a really interesting conversation to, like, she wasn't open to hearing anything else. And then as the relationship progressed and there was trust, then she starts to see my side of, the, um, side of the equation. But sometimes people just want you to listen or they just want to say their opinion based on their personality, right? So, you know, what uh, McKinsey was talking about, just listening to them, you don't need to, like, defend the industry all the time just listen to them got it and if you're a title holder they know that you're competing and they're hating on it you know and they're not asking for your opinion you don't always have to give it just hear them and just say got it okay i got it you don't like pageantry because you feel like they objectify women okay got it and oftentimes by not even attempting to take up for yourself or take it from the industry that speaks more than like a compelling argument. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with that. And I think like the more you're hearing that too, the more you can start thinking about in your pageant plan or your conversations. Okay, I've heard this now three times. So if I'm a title holder and I'm in an appearance, how can I bridge the gap between the believers and the non-believers? Is there something else I can be saying in my messaging that I'm not getting across and that's why people are saying this to me or, and can I say it better so that they get it? Um, so the more you hear it, the better, the more you take that feedback, just like you said, like take it with a grain of salt, but take it nonetheless and do with it what serves you. And, and I'll say before we move on to the next one, I, I do want to interject this, that I feel like in life and in pageantry, I have met far more people who celebrate the industry who are like, I think that's great. Like when I tell them, the industry I work in, I'm like, that is so cool. They're fascinated by it. Um, mm-hmm. So just like in life, you will always have like people more verbal about their praise of you than people who like openly critique you to your face. I mean, it's really rare that like somebody is like just going at it like right there to your face. That, I mean, now online, that's a different beast because they'll people, wait yeah. They get <laughs> yeah, 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 they'll wait. Do a do a passive aggressive post on Facebook, you know, something like that. Um, but like, I do want to counterbalance that that we are in this thing. We're we're talking about dealing with pageant haters. Yet, I don't want to present that like 
everybody's going to hate on you <laughs> for competing because that hasn't been my experience and nor yours, I don't think. Sure. No, definitely has not. But there's moments and we'll address some of those other moments today. Cool. Okay. So give us a second strategy in dealing with pageant haters. So the first was to listen to them and now you school them. Okay. Bring it on. Okay. How, how do we so school this, them? Yes. So this came from missorem.ut. Um, I'm assuming that's a pageant title abbreviation. And she says, I tell them about what I do as a title holder. And she did the flexing emoji, which I like. Uh, a lot of people who don't know as much about pageantry think it's just about dresses and runways, and they don't realize the hours and hours of service that go into being a title holder and representing a platform to improve the community. Sometimes I even invite those who question what it means to be a pageant queen to come to service projects and city events with me. It's really cool to see their perceptions of everything change as we are serving side by side. Heart emoji. Yes. I understand that I can be, I can't change everyone's opinions, but I can be an advocate for good. I use my crown as a means to amplify my service opportunities. I think that being a city title holder is both a serious responsibility and an exciting adventure of a lifetime. That's really beautifully said. But break this down for us. Like, why why is this important? Yeah, this is the biggest change between the pageants of like the stereotype stereotype days and now. We've already mentioned like this major shift has occurred in the industry, even with like the biggest, most high profile pageants. And what I like to do um, when someone comes to me and they're hating on it, um, just like what this um, this follower said, I like to list a few accomplishments or volunteer opportunities that I have been a part of and ask if I wasn't, if that was anybody else in the street, would they think that's an admirable thing to be a part of? Mm. And likely they'll say yes, because no one's going to say it's not admirable to be service minded, but okay. Um, and then you say, well, why is it less admirable if I do it as a title holder then? Like, why why is it not good if I do it this way? Um, and then you can say, ask them if they listen to someone preaching their message on a street corner or if they pay more attention to public figures. So that's like, if they have that crown retaliation of like, well, you're doing it in a crown, you're drawing attention to yourself. But we all know that people listen to pageant contestants more than they would listen to someone else on the street because they have that crown and sash. So one, they draw natural attention and two, they've clearly achieved something to obtain that crown and sash. So the, the service minded activities plus the weight of being a public figure status, like can often at least make them think twice about what their purpose is. Yeah. And there's something about our society. I mean, I feel like the majority of my life I've been encouraging to other people and other people's dreams. Um, And also for the majority of my life, I have been, you know, pretty much unsuccessful, like not like visibly, visibly like successful. And in recent years, as my success has increased, same compliments, right? It Mm -hmm. seems to have a different effect on people when they're like, oh, wow, you've done this and you're saying I can do it too, that it it connects with them on a different space. Mm -hmm. So I could totally see a title holder showing up, crown and sash, and spending time in a soup kitchen and taking time for people that are down on their luck. And then she's like basically taking time to serve them. It makes them feel more valued than -hmm. maybe somebody else, just a a casual volunteer, which I mean, massive respect to people that are going and like volunteering, not trying to diminish that at all. I mean, it's huge. Um, And there is something special about a girl in a sash, like doing it. So I'm massive proponent in pageantry because of, I feel like, I can make the world a better place by helping more girls compete. 
Because what other job title is there on the planet? I mean, outside of maybe being a pastor or like evangelist, social worker, where like volunteerism is a part of the job description. Like, oh, okay, yeah, you get you get this shiny crown and this awesome sash and you get to work your butt off pretty much in a thankless capacity for the next 365 days. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So that that's one of the things that I think is really important that most people don't understand. Well, when I tell people that I was in pageants and I'm still around the industry, or I say I was Miss International, I said, what does that mean? I said, well, I was basically a professional volunteer for a year because that's what I felt like I was. And it was the best. And it was so valuable from my standpoint to learn so much. But I was serving 365 days of that year, probably more because it was rolled right into from my other reign. Um, but I totally agree. I think there's so much to be said for showing people the community connection and that part of the job. And just like, um, like our, our viewer said, like it's about what I do and not what I say or what I look like. Yeah, it's great. All right. Well, thanks Miss Orem for that feedback and let's go on to the third one. All right. What's the third strategy in dealing with some pageant haters? The third strategy is to inspire them. And this came from Jazzy R. Jones on Instagram. And she said, so the, the question on Instagram was, what do you say to pageant haters? So she directly answered that question. So she said, what would we do if there was nobody to pin us down? We'd have fewer things to push us on, fewer things to overcome, and fewer things to humble us. No matter the hate you experience in a lifetime, you're still not living in a lifetime of hate. So good. Okay, mm -hmm. why, why is that important? Yeah, so I think it's like, remember before you decided to compete in your first pageant and like put yourself back in that mental space. And I remember like wanting to compete and not being able to, and like maybe it was because like you're hesitant or tentative, or maybe at that time you just lacked the self-confidence to just do it. I mean, in our VIP membership program, I have so many women that are um, over the age of 25. They're like, this is my first pageant. I've always wanted to do it. And here I am. And my first question is like, well, why did you wait so long? Like what, what in you held you back? And so I like, never felt ready. And I think a lot of people feel that same thing, whether it's pageants or any other goal that they have. Yeah. And that's the beauty of getting older. You really, it's kind of built in. You start to care less about what people think because you realize <laughs> how little it matters and I can totally remember in high school, I mean, so I was walking our dog, uh, Renaz and I's dog the other day, and there was no bags to pick up the poop. And I'm like, oh, so I found a piece of like litter. It was like this cup. And I'm like, okay, so he pooped and I'm like scraping up the poop with the cup. And meanwhile, like all these like high school kids are walking by and I was just um, cause they were walking to school and all that. And I was just interested by my lack of care about what they thought. And I could remember when I was in high school, I would have been devastated. Like, <laughs> you know, if I was there and I had a cup with poop hanging out of it and all that stuff and trying to scrape it off. And, and it was just like, just didn't affect me at all. Right. Um, and there is just something beautiful about getting older. I, I just like, there is that detachment away that allows you to do things and um, that you would have previously been scared to do. Mm -hmm. And isn't there something to be said though, if you were inspired enough, like Jazzy's words are really inspiring. Imagine if you got to that point in your life five years earlier, what more you could have accomplished because you had that detachment and you weren't afraid of thoughts of others or 
public failure or whatever it might have been. Oh my gosh. I, I, I know in high school, I was a decent athlete. I, I was, I was okay. I had the workings to be really good, but my, like, so I was an all-star practice player in high school. <laughs> I mean, I was amazing practice. And in games, I can remember a game specifically. It was like I was running back in football and I played basketball and baseball and track, whatever. But I can remember this particular football game. It was before halftime. I had like, it was like 160 yards rushing, two touchdowns. I returned a kick um, from like a kickoff and scored a touchdown. And I remember during the halftime, I was like, oh, God. I'm doing too good, you know, and it, it was like that mindset. And then all of a sudden I self-sabotaged. I no. didn't do anything. Yeah. And it was like that time and again. And there was so many instances like in basketball, me doing that, like coming out, like hitting three, three pointers, like in a row, like first three and people are like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And I'm like, oh, I'm not that good. I shouldn't be doing that. You know? Oh, no. Yeah. And it was like time and again. And I'm like, Wow. Because I got so hyper focused on like what maybe other people thought of me, then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't miss anymore. And then it was like so much pressure on myself that I just collapsed. And it's my heart, Steven. I know, but hopefully it helps other people that are listening because I could see girls in my situation who's competing on stage, they feel like they're doing everything right. And then there's just this little voice that's like, I'm not good enough for this. Like, I, I shouldn't be experiencing this kind of success. Like, I'm not worthy of it. And that's why I'm such a big proponent on my mind because of how much I had to overcome um, in order to get to this space. So, you know, the biggest pageant hater you'll ever encounter is the one living inside your own mind. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would be so much further in life if I started thinking of myself like God made me in high school versus, you know, living in the minds of other people. And if you like, even if you come across someone and you respond with this type of inspiration, like that person may never compete in a pageant, but they might have goals that they are holding back and they're sitting on. And you talking about how, like, I'm going after my dreams because I don't want someone to be able to tell me no. I don't want me to be able to tell me no. I don't want to be held back. So they may have insecurities that prevent them from going after their goals. And now looking at you, like maybe they'll get up the courage to do so. And sharing that sentiment with them and really essentially leaving pageantry out of it and focusing on goal setting, they may understand where you're coming from better. Because again, even if pageants aren't their ultimate goal, maybe it's opening a business. And here you are chasing yours and sharing like, hey, like whatever you have going on, this is my goal. I want you to like really focus on yours and think about like, what if someone couldn't stop you? Mm, so good. Okay. So that was the first three. What's the fourth way to deal with some pageant haters? Yeah. The fourth one is, um, educate them. And this, um, I love this cause there's like so much shade in it. Um, it's from Annie J. Lou and she said, write about it in your school's newspaper that has 1.5 million readers a month. (laughs) Uh, So she's like totally throwing the shade on the haters with just like getting it out there. And then she also provided a link, right? Like basically here's the article. (laughs) Which we'll go, you know, we'll go ahead and provide the link in our, in our show notes too. So if you look at the description, 
Um, Annie will we'll provide that link there and for everybody else listening so you can read what um, Annie wrote so we can contribute to the 1.5 billion readers. Yeah. Why Why did you like this one? Why is this one important? Well, so it's short and sweet why I liked this one, but like there are haters everywhere. And if you have the ability to get your positive message out about both your passion journey and the industry as a whole, use it. And not only is that good for everyone involved, but like this girl, Annie totally has a professional mindset. Like this is your opportunity. If you have an audience, whether it's five followers or 1.5 million followers to shine for potential sponsors and partners. So like, why wouldn't you want, like you, like we are in the social media age where content is like, and I mean, 90%, 99% of the time unrestricted. So if you have this encounter that you want to share or you want to like clap back at a hater, use it. Be respectful. Use proper grammar, of course. Don't curse. Uh, But do it. Do it. And so I typically, I I like this because she just basically took up for herself. And there's a time and a place for everything, right? I mean, you read the Bible, there's time to sow, time to reap, there's a time to save, time to spend, all that. Um, and there's a time not to fight back and there's a time to like speak up for yourself. And I like that she, she did this very good, very good. Cause well, I'll say this for the most part, I don't take up for myself for the most part. And then there are some times, sometimes of which you've known, um, and you've seen where I do take up for myself and you know, those times though they're sparing, I'm like, you know what? I feel good about that. <laughs> it does feel good to stick up for yourself, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And all things in moderation. And it does feel good. And it does feel good. Okay, so that's <laughs> educate them. What's the fifth one? So the fifth one, is, I mean, it's a great segue of what you just said, but it's to accept them. And this came from Amanda Van Sickle. And she says, Due to the phenomenon called the confirmation bias, so Google that if you're not familiar, the confirmation bias, I know that my words will not change the person's attitude towards me or pageantry. I can only show them kindness and invite them to be a part of the event. If they choose not to come or continue to show hate, I can only move on with my life. Okay, so break Annie, um, Amanda's comment down for us. Yeah, so Amanda said, like, you you can't dwell on someone else's negativity. And there is a Dita Von Tees quote that I will, I'll share that's one of my favorites. And it's, you could be the ripest, juiciest peach, and there's still going to be someone who hates peaches. It is so true. Like, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, and pageants are not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And, like, these moments where someone shows you hate might happen when you're in public or at an appearance, and you should never break your commitment to your title, your positivity, or your smile. Um, And you have to do that because you need to show personal strength and protect your reputation because you break one time. So you either, you snark back, you get into it with somebody, you roll your eyes, whatever, however you react negatively, all of a sudden that person is gonna label you a pageant brat and then you're gonna fall into the stereotype bucket. It's gonna further increase their their mentality and misery loves company, right? So they're gonna go literally tell everyone they know that miss so-and-so just like cursed at them or like pointed at them or did something. So you just have to be like that mentality of like, you know, not everyone's gonna be on my team here. I have to breathe and let it go. Yeah, and you just never know when you're going to be in these situations like okay so renata and i uh, we're at the miss america pageant um we helped to oversee all the former miss americas all the former miss americas are on stage i needed to get up on stage 
in order to basically corral them to the car that was waiting on them. Well, the security guard would not let us up. And I'm like, and, and I said, well, okay, let's just, let's just wait. And he was just being really rude. And so he said, I, I will not let you up until somebody up there says that you can come up. I'm like, okay, well, that's easy. So I just went to, um, you know, one of the organizers there and I said, Hey, will you please tell the security guard that we can go up there? Like we need to go up there to help because <laughs> Miss America's are just taking photos and all that stuff. No big deal. So, <laughs> so she's like, yeah, no problem. Went and he was like, no, I cannot let him up until one of those people like say like, um, he can come up and I'm not even sure who those people were, but I was like, sir, if you look at my badge, it's the same as yours. We, we have like unlimited access. We can go anywhere. And then he like, I mean, of course we're there, but he stuck his hand like right in my face, like hand up. He's like, I'm done talking to you. I was like, Oh my God. I know. And I, you know, of course, like if you have any testosterone in your body, you want to be like you, like you freaking jerk. Right. Um, and I'm like, I just didn't know what to do. But in that moment, you can choose how to respond. And like, if I would have just like capped off and been like crazy person, um, then it could have been very bad, like for the reputation, right? Because um, you know, I'm like, I'm just trying to do my job. Um, so what we're not at like was was heated too. But I was just like, okay, you know what? Let's just. It is what it is. Let's just go over here and wait for him to come off stage. And that's just like what we did. Like, so it was just like, okay. And in, and I've certainly had other situations where I did not respond as appropriately. That's the blessing of age. Like you make those mistakes and you kind of <laughs> learn how to handle your emotions better. Um, but in that moment, when you're surrounded by a bunch of pageant um, influencers and people in the industry or just somebody at the grocery store, because you never know like who's there and you never know, like, the people will see you from a distance and they'll recognize you from a newspaper or a television interview, but they just won't come up and say anything. They'll just notice you from a distance. It happens all the time. So if you can just keep your cool together, it's going to go so much better for the industry, for your personal brand, and for your ability to just accept yourself as you are. And for your, like, you really, you learn how to appreciate you for just being you like when mm -hmm. you do those sort of things so hopefully that helps okay well, any in summary in summary here on that like just remember your goals as a title holder you're there to make a difference you're there to spread a message so like kill those haters with kindness let them have their own negative thoughts about you but don't give them a reason to have more negative thoughts yeah 100 percent. okay so if you had to wrap up uh all of the all of five tips um, into one kind of final closing thought, if you will, what would that be? Well, I don't have a closing thought, but I have a closing tip. So, um, at some point in life, either, well, if you're a younger pageant contestant, eventually you'll be transitioning to the professional world or you'll be, um, if you're, um, later on in life in pageantry, like you may need to apply the skill. Cause like, think about it. You are doing a job. You are doing appearances, you're making relationships, all of which are very valuable for you in the professional realm. So I want to provide this piece of advice. So if you're looking to transition into corporate life or applying for a new position, you never know who is for pageantry or who is a pageant hater. And your resume could either get 
tossed immediately because of that or embraced and you never know which. So my suggestion is like for your entertainment resume, if you're trying to get hosting gigs, et cetera, leave all that pageant stuff on there. They directly translate for a professional or a corporate resume, make it less obvious. So what I like to do is I include hard examples of the like the volunteer time I've put in, the organizations I've worked with, et cetera, but I don't list the fact that I had a title associated with it. That doesn't mean it won't come out in the interview or it won't come out later in time, but I would just say like, you don't wanna risk being judged before you walk in the door. So that's just my professional take on all of this. My overarching thought is like we just said, like do you, focus on you, put tunnel vision on when you have people coming in you with hate, listen to them, hear why they don't like it. You might never change their mind, but at least you can respond appropriately. So great. And thank you for listening. And if you've received any bit of fit from this show or for ones previous, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It might sound like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. And like always, if you are wanting to listen to more episodes, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all the places where podcasts are played.